Well, Matt, as you may know, I spend my days working on uh, migrations and thinking a lot about different migrations. And we had a huge milestone migration here in my household over the, the, the weekend. My son turned 13. So I created what I termed a uh, internet emancipation list because of, upon turning 13, most of the services uh, granted him access uh, to more things, right? There's just a whole bunch of stuff they can have. So I was excited by this simply because it meant I could be less involved in uh, having to approve things. <laughs> but is, don't you want that involvement? Nah, a lot of stuff we've so You've only got one kid. It's like each we child was by. like a downgrading in how involved I was with their internet. I'm just saying like we have like already come up with so many workarounds through these various restrictions. Even I can't keep up with how many workarounds we come up. So it's just great. Finally, you're 13. You can just have access to like many of these things. And we don't have to like, you know, have all these uh, weird workarounds that come up. So I'm going to rate the services in their migrations uh, and how they went. And I want you, uh, because you've been through this process at least twice, maybe three times. Um, and I want to see if, if my data, if you will, stacks up with yours. So, First and foremost was getting the Apple. So he got an iPhone. We officially, you know, converted over, gave him a real phone. I'm going to say the Apple, five out of five, five being the best. Everything worked. Literally, he just put in his username and password. Off he went. The thing set up. And most importantly, I didn't have to be involved at all. It just yeah. like absolutely was the perfect migration. Well, and now, and, and as you cross the age thresholds, um, it just kind of happens without you noticing. And so like, you know, when my son hit 18 or whatever, he was like, Oh, I don't have to ask you for that anymore. And I was just like, Oh <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like, it's great. So like Apple five by five can't, I mean, again, too, it was also kind of a birthday gift. So it's just like, they figured it out now. Yeah. T-Mobile, that's my preferred uh, carrier here. Now what I wanted to do was I needed to take a phone number from an Apple watch. I needed to transfer it to the phone. Right, which were, I guess, as I learned, that involves releasing the IMEI number, which is the mm -hmm. SIM card, I guess. You have to release it, then you have to transfer it. But then I wanted to keep the watch activated, at least for a while. And that required a whole new telephone number, even though I didn't want the phone number. Because I guess every device, even if it's not really a phone, it has a phone number. So this required basically a 45 minute call. And, you know, what, and then the whole process of releasing a SIM, I don't know if you've ever done that. Like, it's like, you have to like wait like 10 minutes. Wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. What if you already have the phone and then you get a watch? Do you have to go get another phone number for the watch? What it's going to do, if you have the phone and you get a watch, behind the scenes, that watch is going to have a phone number, even if you never use that phone number. Because the way all of this stuff works is it still is tying everything to phone numbers. Now, the case I ran into was in most cases what you described, most people are going to get the watch phone number and never use it because that's not their number, right? So it's just sort right. of it's in the background. But, because, and I will, a quick aside, we got my son a watch like when he was in, I think, fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade. Worked out extremely well. We were very worried about it, but it was great because he could call. But that's all he had, right? That's all he had, right? But it worked out great because he could call us, do some texting, and we could keep track of them with Find My. But I think the unusual use case is going from like, I have a watch with a phone number, and that's the phone number I want to keep transferring that to the phone that's sort of like a not an edge case but it's unusual right it was like yeah. oh wait a minute we have to release the sim card from the watch and then the watch has to get another phone number and i'm like i definitely don't want another phone number they're like well it's not really a phone number but it is a phone number but so, you'll pay for it yeah you have to pay for it and then they charged me for the phone number and i didn't really want the number so 
the T-Mobile thing, it worked. It just was a 45 minute call and it sort of like I had to walk through many things and, and you know, the person was good. They got it done. So I'm only going 3.8 out of five. So it's like, you know, four is good. Five is fantastic. Three is like acceptable. So I'm not so much mad at anyone at T-Mobile. I'm sort of mad at the the whole process here. It's like, I just feel sure. like the phone number should just be shared between the watch and the phone. Like, I don't know. I don't care. Like, I don't, I know why they were explaining to me why it can't be done. I don't care. I, that's not my problem. You work yeah. it out. You work it out, T-Mobile and GSM. So that one was okay. Now, Google, Google was interesting because they sent me, the parent, an email about a week before. It says, hey, your son's about to turn 13. He'll be given more options. He'll get this email to allow him to, quote, unquote, take control of his Google account. And I'm like, fantastic. They send me the email like a week before. That's what we want. Come up, weekend of his uh, 13th birthday, no email is sent, right? And then... Uh, three, a couple days go by, still no email is sent. So we end up, and of course, like you can't contact Google. Like there's no, you know, no, just, no, you're not contacting Google. So of course we then Googled a bunch of different things, like how to get the link. Cause if we could just get the link and we finally got found the link on some obscure site where it was like click here that then allowed him to take control of the account, which is what we want. He walked through and he got it. So again, it's like, I don't know what to say. It's like, cause I, you know, of um, cause this is the part I did have to get involved in. I was like, is it in your spam folder? Is it in? He's like, I checked, I checked. I'm looking at it. And to, to my knowledge, this email has never come. And this is what's crazy about it is they sent me the parent, the email and they don't send the, like, here's the, here's the link you can use to do it. So I don't know. I mean, again, I guess an edge, not an edge case, but like whatever reason this email got lost or it hasn't gotten sent. So the best I can do is 3.5 out of five. It did eventually work. We got there, but it was just a lot of manual Googling to do it. Uh, now, Amazon, I don't know if you can do this down uh, your way. In Amazon, you can convert a, a kid child account to a teen yep. so they can that's order. Happened. Yeah, that's happened. Yeah, that's happened too. Yeah. All right. I went in very easily. It reminds me a lot of the AWS console when you get in there because it has like different no checkboxes. It was yes. like, wow, this is like literally the UI. I guess we should say this is this the UI they shipped with. I was like, not good. <laughs> I mean, just not good, right? Just so many things you can click. And it was like, I just want, you know, it's, it really reminds you of the AWS because you're like, I just need to give him everything. So I finally figured that out. It could be done online. Um, and then you pick a, a parent payment method. That's what you say. Can you, can they buy things? And you can set like a limit. I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I set a parental payment method. So of course that all works. He goes in to buy something. He clicks on the parent pay method and like literally and, and you hit submit and nothing happened. The page just reloads with the same box, just reloads, reloads, reloads. Again, Amazon, zero way. You cannot contact them. They're just like, no. there's no way no. to contact them. And so I was like, so then we ran through a test. I sent him a gift card of like $20, sent him to his account. Sure enough, that works fine. So the parental thing. So I was like, I'm not sure how it's going to fix. So I just waited two days, did nothing. And then I checked again and it finally worked. And I have no idea why. So I don't know if it was like, it could have been on the, the payment side. The payment look, thought it was maybe looking like a fraud. So maybe I flagged, um, which is fine. Like if it just said, hey, this is like, you know, yeah, this, this has been you. rejected. But it was just the, the UI was like, I mean, I really felt like I was in the AWS console. It's just like, it's just reloading and telling you the same thing. And there's not, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, well, because in AWS, I, you go to the console and be like, let me look at the log. But there's like, I mean, you have nothing at that point. So yeah. best I can do, 3.2 out of 5 there. 
And then from the final one, I'll wrap on this was uh, we have USA as our banking as a, as a teen, he gets access to actually see his accounts, which again, fantastic. How much money do I have dad? Don't have to deal with that anymore. It's like, go log in. You can see yep. exactly what kind of money is in your bank account. Manage the money. That worked pretty well, pretty fast. Then of course, because you know, he's, he's young, he's like Gen Z, right? All these kids like, He's like, hey, I can I just put my debit card on Apple Pay? I'm like, sure, yeah, just do it. That'll be better. You know, you can't keep no. track of the debit card anyway. So yeah. goes in, rejected, rejected a million different times. So finally, we get on the phone, and I made him do it. He gets on the phone. I'm like, welcome to being an adult. Oh, like we're on the phone man. with USAA. We're doing the the hardcore. Wow, that 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 is some tough parenting right there. No, I no, but I'm I like, still I, do the calls for like. Almost I'm there. Like, I was, it was on speaker. We were doing it together. We were doing okay. the thing. So okay. I was just like, but I was like, hey, you just is it. You got to explain what it is. And so it was great because he got round tripped. He got first sent to the credit card people. They're like, no, no, no. <laughs> this isn't a credit card thing. It's a debit card thing. Then he got sent to the debit card people. Then the debit card people sent him back to the credit card people. And so I was counseling. I was like, okay, here we got to explain to you them that like you've already been, you've been round trip. You've been so round did trip. That. Yeah. Then he gets back into the debit card people. And then they finally tell him, well, the problem is you're not old enough. This is only available at 14, which yeah, again, I ran into that, Yeah, which is only like, there is no online information. Like if someone had said that, like, you can't do this till you're 14, we would have understood, but there was zero information. Well, yeah. was only available via the phone. So, so my, my son, uh, you know, I finally got him a debit card last month. And then he turned 14 this month. And so while he was getting the debit card, they were like, uh, you can use this physically, but you can't use it for Apple Pay. And I was like, thank you. You know, they're like, you know, come back next month and you can have it. And so, you know, I knew the answer to what you were, where you were headed with that. But, you know, so I, w- I would say wow, so that's my bank, my bank's going to get, you know, 4.8 or something, right? One Your fantastic. Bank. Let's give him a shout out. What bank is that? Like, West, what? West, well, I'm always hesitant to because it's okay. Westpac. Don't you don't have to say it? It's fine. Yeah. It. No, it's it's Westpac. They okay. The the branch was very good. Fan, whatever. Five stars because just giving the information is what you're looking for. Like, and yeah. I guess because obviously you're in a different country, this must be like an Apple thing, right? Or something. No, it's it totally be, an Apple thing. Yeah, yeah, fourteen. Because yeah. I don't understand. Like, well, because I'd already put my. I'd already, well, what's weird is I'd already put my debit card on to his Apple Pay. Right. Yeah, so you know, you, you know, that can work, right? And yeah, then I know like, that can work, but yeah. it couldn't be his. Yeah. Well, this is another thought I have about this whole process. It's like, in the end, generally it did work, right? And there was, there was some pain there. Well, one, all of these sites, I feel like every one of them should have just a web page. Like your kid turns 13 because they're close, like Google and Amazon, they have things, but it's like, just a, a quick like FAQ or like when things don't work, right? Like here's how, like, it just seems like so many kids are, you know, this happens millions of times a year. Like it seems like it is not an edge case, just a quick one pager. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should do if things don't go perfectly, right? That, that is one thing I would ask for all of them. Man. And then two, it's like, I was thinking about this, about like this idea of like, can we get away? I want to propose something, these cliffs around birthdays, right? It's like, on this date, you turn this age, you can do this. It's like, now when kids are like infants, age is very important. Like a two-month-old versus six-month-old, whatever, right? There's huge differences. But my proposal is this, is like, we should get away from the birthday. We should just be like the year that you turn X. You know what I mean? Just come January oh, 1. No. It's that, like that, that leads to madness. You're talking about like South Korea style. Right, but I'm just like, January 1st, it's like, if you're going to turn a milestone age in that year, 
you can just you're you're that age. You can just do whatever it is. You can like is sixteen here. Get a well, car. I mean that, that that's how the schools work here. You know they're like you know you know when you are in you know this you know if if your birthday's in this year that's when you could go to school. Right. That's exactly that's my whole point. It's like if imagine if you're like well like imagine throughout the I mean this is how absurd it is when you say it that way. It's like in school. Imagine just being in school and like it being like November. It's like well. You got promoted to the next grade where the kid like leaves the grade and goes to the next grade. And it's like, <laughs> of course that doesn't work. So it's just like pick a date, like I think in this case, and just sort of like, and just make it all happen. Because it's especially as you're getting older and kids where it's like the kid that's born in like here in the US, it's like if September is the oldest in the grade, right? right that's right. this. And then, you know, obviously August is the youngest, right? So it's like, but it's like what, you know, when these kids are like teenagers, it's like doesn't really well, well, matter, the, you know? And then here in Australia, uh, yeah, because the drinking age is eighteen. As as the as the twelfth graders are, you know, getting into their final year, it's like the parties keep getting better and better. <laughs> well, that's another one that's too. It's like that's I think that's a, probably the the best example of what a weird rule. It's like obviously kids or anyone, right? You're gonna have friends that are very close in age. The younger you are, the more true that is. Like your kids and your school will almost always be within a year, right? So it's like it's weird in that case. It's like, well. You turned eighteen, so you're legally can you know, go yeah. drink at the bars, and then you're just seventeen. And it's like, no, all these kids are obviously hanging out all the time. Like, what are we pretending, right? Let's just make it all happen on January one. All the kids can be <laughs> equally, you know, stupid and you know make poor choices, but at least everybody knows. Let's get it out of the system, and then you know, and just move on. That would be my. That's my proposal. Let's move away from birth date to uh, just be like year. You know, there there are other hills I'm I'm gonna go die on. <laughs> Right after we fix daylight savings time, we'll get to this problem. That'll be the sure. next the next uh, software defined talk issue. All right. Well, listen. If you're uh, have a milestone birthday with children, hopefully this information has uh, been useful. I would say, you know, I have like a whole little checklist here. You know, I don't. I didn't have a run book. I didn't have any rollback. Right. I just had like stuff we had to do. So, um, if you are, you know, get prepared now. Get prepared. Be ready. Uh, to to move it over, and if you're like me, it's been the birthday's been fantastic because I just have to do less, which is which is honestly that's all I really which is want. what everybody wants. I just <laughs> want to do less. Now, speaking of some milestones, we had uh, Microsoft Ignite this week. It was uh, the big Microsoft conference, and it was all everything you ever wanted to know about Copilot. So, Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you <laughs> was the it whole- the Copilot conference? It was. I think we should just say it. It's uh, so it started off with uh, the CEO coming out. And given the whole pitch, so they have a co-pilot stack and there were five levels of the co-pilot stack that we're going to go through and we're going to hit on the highlights of each one. Um, but I think at the, the very broadest level, I guess my thought about this whole AI thing and the way that they're doing it is like there are really two ways to, to go. There's uh, the co-pilot metaphor. And they even said in here a couple of times it says, uh, you know, you heard uh, the CEO from Microsoft say it's like they're the co-pilot company. And I would sort of say that the vision that Microsoft is putting in there is sort of like this idea of like sustaining um, innovation around like, we're going to explain to you how we can help you do mostly the tasks that you do today a little bit faster, a little bit easier, and give you a little bit of help along the way. So that's sort of like one broad, and I think that's sort of the broad Microsoft vision of it. Now, I do think you could have a more disruptive vision of this and say, hey, I don't want to just like make it easier for you to do the things that you're doing today. I want to actually get rid of many of the things you have to do altogether and kind of solve the problem. So two two kind of analogies I came up with. Like one example was like, 
don't give me Excel. I actually don't want to use Excel. I just want you to give me the answers, right? Like, you know, <laughs> of, of the thing that I want. Like, I just want to like, here's a bunch of data. Tell me, you know, how we're doing this quarter. Tell me if there's any problems with the data. Tell me what you would do to improve sales being one example, right? So that's sort of like, like kill all the humans, <laughs> right? That's like one metaphor of it. Or maybe example, I was thinking about, you know, um, you know, the idea of like a car, right? It's like in a car, like, do you want driver assist technology, which is like, Hey, let me help you drive better. Let me like give you lane assist. Let me like notify you that, you know, something bad has happened. Let me let you take action. Or do you want like kind of this other vision of like, Hey, there's just a whole bunch of roving autonomous vehicles that are available on demand you know, we human beings no longer drive. We just get in these cars and we just tell them where we want to go and it just all just works, right? So I, I don't know, like, obviously, you know, I think two things. One, it's very early in AI, so we don't really know what's going to happen. But two, it's, if you will, more in Microsoft's interest to kind of have this co-pilot thing, right? Um, so I just wanted to, I don't know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on like, when you think of AI, like, are you thinking sort of like this big disruptive you know, vision, we're like, no, 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 the tasks that we do today will become unnecessary. Or are you thinking more kind of the sustaining innovation of like, no, no, I just want you to make me a little bit better at the tasks that I'm doing today. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think the, the sustaining model is the, the, the thing about the sustaining model is you have to sustain the, the innovation, which I mean, that. Which which means you at one at some point you're going to wake up and you'll be like, huh, I don't drive my car anymore, right? right. Um, and and so that's the natural place to start. So I, I don't really, uh, which also means like as people get more accustomed to the capabilities here and learn to you know work around the limitations, um, it'll just keep getting better. So I, I mean, I, I guess. I'm a fan of the sustainability model or sustaining model because um, it gives people a better chance to acclimate, you know, uh, which means, of course, that there are going to be people who miss the opportunity to acclimate, which is it's kind of like this whole AI thing right now. It's like if you're not paying attention and you wake up next, you know, next year or something, you're not going to realize how much has already changed. And so I'm thinking about like folks like, you know, my parents or something where, and you know, it's always it's it's always three years away. But when when self driving cars are actually a thing, right? They're gonna be like, look, Dad, you don't have to drive anymore, you know. And you know, he's gonna be like, what? You know, because I mean, he still he still resists like electric cars, and you know, he's always like, no, nah, you know, I, I can't trust him. You know, gotta you know, gotta gotta you know, what, I need a gas station. I need you know all the things that he's always been used to. And he's like, well, you know, maybe hydrogen work because it works like a gas station, like. Screw that, right? We're going straight to electric cars, autonomous. You know, I don't, I don't want any of that stuff. And he's like, well, um, yeah, he's going to wake up and everything's going to have changed. Is, is kind of my point. So I think uh, for some people, it's going to seem like a sustaining model, and others are going to be on the receiving end of a uh, sea change. Yeah, and I think you know, from the purposes of all of these companies announcing different things, it's like it. It definitely, I think as I read more about AI and you think about these competing visions, it's almost like you got to think about, is this an incumbent or a brand new company, um, kind of a startup? And like, what's the level of disruption they're trying to drive? I think in the case of Microsoft, like, because as we kind of go through some of this, like so many of these like slides, even this sort of like five levels of co-pilot, like you could have just said this was like 
three, I mean, they, they have used this model so many different times, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. five levels of building a windows application or the five, you know, it's just like so many things that they've done and they're kind of just slotting it in. And so that's sort of, if you will, it's sort of an artificial, uh, if you will, um, way of kind of closing out off their vision a little bit, right? Cause they're just going to like, they're like, Oh, I well, they also or, don't have to disrupt the way they've done things. Right. right. They, and, they, and they can get their user base acclimated to it with, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, Microsoft slowly is rolling these things out. And, you know, oh, like, you know, Clippy is is 90 percent better now, you know, that kind of stuff. And you're just like, OK, I'm used to it. And as opposed to some startup you've never heard of who's like, you know, spreadsheets are done. It's all voice interface. And you're like, what? <laughs> well, the one thing that really like resonated with me, and I think this is like a really telling way of a way Microsoft thinks about it is like there's this example uh in the keynote where uh, the woman says like well uh say for example you're putting through uh assembling some slides for a QBR and you don't have the data let me show you how to create your own little um small language model and add data to it and because it's on someone else's desk and it'll go get it and so she does that and then the data and then voila the data is ready and then she pulls the data out and then she puts it into like a slide and I'm like I've done, listen, I've done it a million, million times myself. It is a use case. Sure. That was easier, but like someone else walking in is like, Hey, I, I like a, a very like, you know, uh, to your point earlier about like a disruptive way to be like, there are no, there's no reason to do a QBR. The reason we do a QBR, <laughs> right. Is that like, it takes time and you get all the data once a quarter and you bring everyone together and you're kind of trying to talk about like addressing business problems. Like what isn't going well? And they would say like, here, here, here's a QBR that you just anyone can do anytime they want on their own. Like the CEO or the business line manager just gets in there, like, how's the business doing? What's what are the key stats? What isn't working? Right. And you just like type it in and it just happens. And it's like, you know, what are we trying to do? Right. And I think this is like that's kind of the more interesting part of AI is like what is really being disrupted and what is going to still be around. So you kind of have to think of that today. So as we go through the five levels of the co-pilot stack, I think just putting the Microsoft lens on it, it's like, no, no, all of this is mostly sustaining. I think we'll have mm-hmm. to go find some crazy venture capitalists, VC back companies that are just like, you know, like here's, you know, it's like kind of like the, the person, uh, you know, the Uber thing. It's like, there will be no cars of the future. There will only be cars of service. Like that's not in this keynote. That's like, that is, yeah. That, and, and they don't want that model. They need something that they can ease their massive user base into, which is, you know, they don't which have to work. Sense, right. Which is made totally with tons sense. of money. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So speaking. So of course, if you have uh five, uh, five layers or a stack of five, what do you do? You always start with the infrastructure, the bread and butter. So this part was honestly kind of boring, but I'll, I'll try to read through one. They gave the standard pitch where they say they're on their way to being a hundred using a hundred percent renewable energy. At this point, every large company is doing this. So it's just like, I don't, I mean, it's great. I mean, I'm not against it, of course, but you're just like, okay, roll the, roll the quick uh, video of like all the people and the, the, the solar panels working and stuff like that. So like, fantastic. The other thing uh, they talked about now, they announced basically three new processors and these Ooh. as far as i can tell they're all basically you know if and they made a big deal about this being i think microsoft's first time about making their own processors so there's the azure cobalt which is an arm-based processor tailored to run general purpose compute uh, workloads on microsoft cloud so i think this is like a their graviton right like this is like yeah Amazon absolutely and then I, mean, I forget the name of the google one google has theirs right like i thought I see. That's what's interesting. Is they that, not have oh, theirs? Like, did, I, did I make that I, up? Well, I know they have. They have their own custom silicon for, for like GP, uh, for AI. 
you know, for TensorFlow and stuff like that. Um, maybe, maybe not for the general purpose process. Yeah, I, I thought I mm. thought that everyone except AWS was licensing from uh, Ampere, but you know, so obviously this is going to disrupt their Ampere uh, relationship because it says it's you know they've gone straight to ARM rather than uh, you know continue to use somebody else's processor. But uh, well, he was very proud. Sachin Nadella, you know, he came up and he had like he held up the processor itself. I was, like, yeah. I was like, wonder if there was. I was like, I wonder if that's just the case. Like, was that just the packaging or was it actually the the chip inside? I don't know. Who's to tell? So there was that one, the Cobalt. Then there was Azure Maya, which they refer to as their AI accelerate accelerator. Optimized okay. for artificial intelligence task and generative AI. Now they didn't say GPU, and I guess technically these chips aren't the GPU. But like I thought, this was like their attempt behind the scenes. This is like a GPU-like chip, is my guess, right? Let's yeah, like, you know that, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. yeah. So they did that one, and again, he held up the chip as well. Again, I don't know if it was really <laughs> whatever. And it's it's like, the same chip. He just changed like, hands. I don't know. It could be anything. Right? <laughs> so it's like okay. Uh, and then they had Azure Boost, and this is a system that makes the storage and networking faster by taking those processes off the host service as servers and putting it onto purpose-built hardware and software. So it's like you know, they kind of have their own stack there, right? And it's like you know, it all made sense. It's like good like i don't know i mean i'm it's not you know it's just hard to react to it in the sense of like this all makes sense this seems a lot like what amazon has done and google have done so it feels more like they're getting to parity now they did mention that they had built the fastest i think cobalt was like the fastest you know one ever built or something like that yeah, for like, now yeah yeah and it's like i don't know you know i'm not i'm not i'm not reading the geekbench uh, metrics for any of this stuff <laughs> i have no idea like i'm just well like, you know you know coach will be excited yeah, yeah. I, I just take, I just, all I can do is like take the, uh, all of, um, take their word for it, if you will. And now yeah, they also, yeah. now this is something that really got into the weeds, but it made the keynote. They, they showed, so they had this whole rack, right? And then they, uh, said they invented this thing called the sidekick, which is this giant, like, cooling mechanism that you, you put on the side of the yeah, I'm looking at rack. It. And they said it's like a car radiator and it has like, if you will, it's liquid cooling, so it's cycling liquid throughout the, if you will, the the rack and the chips to keep the heat down. And so they made a big deal out of it, and it just looks like this giant, you know, fan well, radiator just, thing. Yeah, it's just a water cooler. Yeah. You know who I wanted to, and I hope the the, the team from Oxide dives into this because I don't know, like, if you're really hardcore in the chips, like the guys from Oxide or the whole team in Oxide, they will talk about fans. For like an oh, hour, yeah. they yeah, they yeah, are yeah. so into these fans. So I don't know. I was like, wow. I was like, the Oxide team they may have some competition for uh talking about cooling so all of this if you will was part of their whole um idea of silicon diversity right so they basically want to have you know a bunch of different chips for different uses they mentioned amd and intel and then of course uh the most the busiest keynoter of them all jensen huang the ceo of uh, nvidia was on stage again so i have now seen him at the vmware event <laughs> the google event this week was Ignite, and I would bet every dollar I had uh, that he will show up at AWS reInvent <laughs> in two and a half weeks. So he came up, and it's like he he wears exactly the same thing. He has the black T-shirt and the uh, 
yeah. the, the leather uh, jacket, which I'm for, but it's like literally you could just cut and paste him from any one of these and put him well, in there. Are, are you sure he was there and not just like AI generated? That's what I was wondering. He's like, because he just gets <laughs> up and he's always like, he's always like, I'm so excited to be here today. We've been great partners forever. Like he literally, if you just like took out the names, he just says the same thing. Oh, that's like, what we need is, so- is to find transcripts of, the, of each pres- appearance and see if he's just like, you know, mad living his, his keynotes. I mean, probably. And it's like, it just, again, it's like, this won't last forever. The whole NVIDIA thing. Like, I don't know when it will crest, but I'm like, no one, I mean, they are the definitive. I mean, this has been said a million times. He, not just the company, he is the winner of AI. Like no person (laughs) has made more money from AI than him. I'm, I, I, it has to be like tens of billions of dollars at this point. Right. Right. It's just insane. So, um, so I look forward to seeing him talk again at uh, the AWS reInvent where he says the same thing. All right. So all of that is the AI infrastructure. I don't know. It's like the announcements were fine. It seemed mostly like parody. I was thinking mostly of AWS with AWS there, but they seemed extremely excited about these chips. And even like you and I like chips, but even I was like, hmm. Okay. Well, sounds good. Like, I don't know, but I was going to ask you because you spend some time on the cost side. Like, I don't know. Will this make its way into like your cost models? Maybe that's the people sh- who should be excited. It's like, whoa, these chips are going to be a lot less expensive to run workloads. So is that like, oh, yeah. are you seeing that? Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely in the space. Um, it's one of the easier recommendations to make if your workloads are portable um, is like, well, of course you're, you know, of course you're going to switch to arm it's just a substantial savings if you can do it right um and you know that that's the sort of savings you can get without like any sort of negotiations you don't have to say like oh you know as you know sustained usage discounts or reserved instances like no we just changed to cheaper stuff um you know uh, alternatively you can save a little bit of money just switching to amd usually um but that's that's you know over on the side, you can save more going straight to ARM. So if you can, do it. Okay, so maybe that's what it is. So maybe in the end, the people who should be excited is like, hey, if you're just using a bunch of these and you want to uh, reduce costs, then they'll be available yeah, that's soon enough. All right, so that's all the infrastructure side. Then we moved on to foundation models. Now, the short answer here is the Azure artificial intelligence is basically just getting everything that OpenAI announced. So that makes sense, right? They're partners. So it was just like, I mean, they went through a lot of it, but it was just sort of like, if OpenAI announced it, it is now available in Azure AI, which, you know, okay, makes sense. Then there was uh, a ton of talk about small language models or SLMs, right? So I don't know. This was, again, this is back to what do you want from your AI? Like, what do I want is I just want like the AI to just like know what I want and just figure it all out. Like I'm not really (laughs) interested in like my own like small language model, but they went through in detail about how you could, you know, basically, you know, make these small language models that are really focused in on like one domain or one little problem area. And then what you you need is all over. What what you need is like something that just mines all your company's internal emails and Google Docs and you know or your Office three sixty five your SharePoint and just you know slurps all that in so then it becomes like you know the person who knows <laughs> the person who could search your Google Docs. Yeah, they basically have that right. They they, they talk yeah. about like introducing and it's like. I get it. Right. And that's fine. But it's sort of like, I don't know. This is kind of back to like kind of our, the first part of our conversation is like, 
Like what, like, what is the metaphor you want? Like they're, they're sort of like, oh, it's like you can create as much as you want or like you can just figure it out because it will do all the stuff in your enterprise. And like, and I'm sort of like, I don't want to do this work. Like, I just want the AI to go, or I just want it to be real simple. I just want to tell the AI be like, yeah, like I work here, uh, get all the stuff I have and then like just work. Like don't, I don't want to like, I don't know. I don't want to have to like build and train my own model. I just feels like that idea. Yeah, is like, but, but if you want, if you want, I mean, what, the stuff you do is niche to your company, and there's no way they can give you a general purpose AI that's going to be – it might be passable, but I, it, it still seems like you know training it up on your specific data has got to have a lot of value. No, I think it does, but I kind of just want the AI. Like, I think of sort of like I want the AI. You want the AI to train itself. I want it to figure it out. It's like, listen, I, this is who I am. Look, that's... This is my stuff. I don't want to have to think about because this is where and I, I don't know. Listen, you know, I I don't really know what's possible, and I guess that's and I don't think anybody does. But I think this is idea the idea that like it is one one way to criticize this would be like it is sort of like the old way of thinking. It's like, oh, well, like I have to like create a model and I have to like give it to information. And I have to train, I have to do this work. And I think there is another school of thought is like, no, 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 no. Like these things are going to get so smart that like you don't have to spend a lot of time doing that. You have to just be like, I, yeah, I, here's I, all the stuff, figure it out. I'm pretty sure that was like Cyberdyne's business model and it didn't really turn out that well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, if you, okay, if that's not going to work out, if like my uh, pie in the sky, like you just figured out AI, isn't going to work. Well, don't worry. There are lots of ways to create small language models. And then they also said, this is always, it's every time I hear these kind of quotes from Microsoft executives, it is a little shocking. I mean, maybe it's just because we've been doing this for a while, but it was quote, they are all in on open source models. So basically they have this idea of like, you know, you, all the foundation models are going to be available. They mentioned like pretty much all of them. Like what's the one from Facebook or not Facebook meta. Llama. Like Llama uh, two. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It just went through and we're like, I mean, for me, I was just like listening to it. I'm like, it sounds like every model that's publicly available will eventually is either in or will be available in, um, in my, and again, like I get it. That seems cool. I guess that's good. But I'm sort of like, I don't really want to have to pick out these models. I don't, don't want to pick. It. Yeah. I don't that's know. The- like, I just want like one model to like know all the models and just like, Oh work. yeah. I mean, when, when I see people, you know, who are, deep neck deep in the space and they're trying to make recommendations i'm just like i no i don't want that i you know there there's too many choices you know for you for you to tell me like well if you're doing medical stuff you want to use that if you're doing you know uh if you're doing you know number analytics you want to use this and you need this plugin to go with that i mean that's why i think like open ai is really onto something with their chat gpt marketplace where it's just like look i don't want to go anywhere else just tell me like, I'm going to be doing some, I'm going to be doing some Excel. What you got for me? It's like, boom, you know, (laughs) here's here, here it is. And, you know, and if Microsoft bundles that up, that's, I mean, the whole point of AI is laziness, right? (laughs) You know what? Well said, well said. And that's going to be the title of this episode. Absolutely. (laughs) fantastic. I do think, you know, what you're kind of getting at is like, you know, in uh, systems management, to use like a a bad metaphor, there's all the, there's the old managers of managers, right? It's like, yeah, I need a console. And then everyone's going to feed this other console. And it's just like, yeah, that's kind of what we need here. Like a models for all the models. It's like, I don't know, like, you know, all of you AI people just figure it out. Like have the AI figure out which one of these models to use and just like do it. Like, I don't, I don't want it, but don't worry if you're not like, if you are a person that wants to know about the models, cause they mentioned this like models as a service. So basically you're going to be able to go in there and just use any of the models. So good. 
Good for you. So, so that seemed good. So it seemed like, yeah, all right. Every model that you possibly want will be there. And I felt like, again, can't remember. I start to confuse all the keynotes after watching them. I felt like <laughs> Google, I think Google said something similar. I feel like I, that's, that's not, Brandon, you are our, our keynote correspondent. I know. You, you are a man. I'm going to create a keynote jet GPT. That's what I'm going to create. Cause I can't oh, always remember okay. like who announced what. It'll go I'm well with sure. the Mad Libs. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Google announced something similar. So that seemed, again, seemed cool, seemed important, but also seemed like everyone else had it. Then they went into the data. So this is the third level up. Now we're into like to what you're talking about, Matt. It's like you get the model and then you put your data in the right area. And they're largely just calling this fabric. Lots of details on this. This is, I I sort of kind of, honestly, this area wasn't as interesting to me. So I kind of zoned out (laughs) a little bit. Uh, But it was just like, yeah, get all your data in fabric, which is some massive data warehouse and can like accept data from all kinds of stuff. Again, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the AWS stuff. But if you get all your data in there, then you can use any of the foundation models on your data. Then they were like everyone that that works on this. They went to painstakingly lengths of a conversation to explain that like that it will be private and uh, won't, you know, they won't be, you know, looking at the data and you know, all the security and privacy concerns will be taken care of. I mean, again, you, I just like, you just have to take their word for it. Like, I don't know. Other than testing it, you're just I mean, like, I mean yeah. that that's, that's the other like leg of, of AI is you just got to take their word for it. Right. Is, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So. Sounds good. But, but so much of, of like, so much of the human experience is that, right? I mean, I don't want to get all meta on you, but it's like, people are like, oh, you can't trust the output of AI. You know, it, it's hallucinates. So it's like, so do people. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right. And like all these things, it's sort of like, as they're kind of building up, right? Like, so we went over the infrastructure, you got all these new computers to run it on. Then they're like, okay, you got every model you ever want. And then like, yeah, you can put all your data in here and we'll keep it safe. And you're just like, okay, sounds good, right? And then from there, and this is the part, like, I don't know, this this whole next area was a little confusing to me. They call it AI orchestration. And it's like some combination of like writing prompts better, you know, getting data in and out of the models and figuring out what you want to do. But this orchestration layer sort of sits right below the apps. But it was like, I don't know. Part of me was just like, I think this is just like an API. Like, this seems just like some type of API. Yeah. And then they can sort of like, I don't know, they made it sound so big. And I was like, maybe I just missed it. I didn't really understand what they're doing. So that part, like, I don't know, really AI orchestration. I'm going to leave that to the listeners. You're going to have to do your own homework there. I just, I didn't really get that much out of it. Now apps. Now we got to Teams. Now I started per- perking up. Oh, Microsoft Teams. One uh, thing I learned. <laughs> I perked uh, up and turned it off. I did. Uh, I was like, oh, this is interesting because I use Teams every day. Um, so one, one factoid they threw out. 320 million people use Teams every day. I was like, wow, that's like, I was pretty shocked by that. So that's, I think, more than Twitter, uh, which is a social network. And then I don't know, but again, of course, part of me is always like, well, I wonder what they're counting, though. Like, how many, like, does everyone that ever logged into Teams, you know, one time or does, are there 320 million people? But I was like, it makes sense. It seems like, it seems significantly more than Slack to me. Would, would, is that fair? Or is that, uh, do you think Slack has a lot less? A lot I, I would ex- I would expect at this point that they're more Teams users just okay. because it's Microsoft, right? Now let me qualify you. You don't use Teams. You have never had... I have never had to use it as a day-to-day employee. I've definitely, oh, I've definitely got Microsoft? Teams installed, right? Yes. Okay, right. So you're yeah. probably in that number. Like you don't really, like you just use it when yeah, you Yeah, because I think right? like you know, my daughter's school doesn't use Slack for public presentations. They, they use Teams. 
Okay. And All so, right. you know, it just kind of, you know, but also, do I also count as a WebEx user? Do I also count yeah. as a... Yeah, uh, I I, yep. I I I had Chime installed. I don't know if it's currently installed. Both. Yeah, we all have Chime. Like if you no, I, I, I collect them all, man. I, yeah, so both, all right, yeah. so maybe we're in there. Maybe it's just the same hundred million people all being counted. <laughs> Half the hundred million. The Venn diagram of the users are like because you, you probably got two or three accounts. Like you got a personal account for like the school one, and then you got yep. your work account. So like, yeah, we're all in there. So I don't know. Still, though, I was like, wow, Microsoft. They know how to do it, though. They, they, whether you want to call it like great growth marketing or forced adoption, I don't know. You know, you decide. It seems like it was, it was impressive. Now they said they're in Teams. There are two thousand Teams apps. So I don't know, Matt. This is like next level Teams. I don't know if you've ever done it, but if you go into Teams, there's a whole app section. Have you ever done it? Do you even know no, what I'm talking about? No, no idea. Okay, but so I believe you. Sidebar, I believe you. Yes. In the sidebar, there are all these apps. Now I use it, and I have access to lots of these apps. I think to date. I've installed like two and hated them both. So I don't know. Maybe out of the two thousand, there's like some really good ones. But like yeah. I've never seen anything inside the Teams App Store that I found useful. Which again, that's just a sample sign, size. Which of which so, I could. Which is the opposite of Slack, right? I think there's a, a ton of interesting stuff in the Slack plugins. Um, true. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. we use it. We use a couple. You know, in uh, in. Uh, SDT Slack. Well, it's but... funny. It's not only that. It's like we would use more, but we're on the free plan, and they like they <laughs> only have like yeah. they only let us use so many. So it's true. There's a bunch in Slack we would like. You to know use. what? We should turn off the Twitter one. <laughs> yeah, that one. You know what? We would reclaim a license. We would get another. Uh, that would be pretty cool. A good idea, Matt. Action item for us. The you know we'll get. We'll yeah. Take a note on your Newton. So there was two thousand um, of those, and then there was, I guess, what they call another hundred and forty thousand line of business apps and teams, which I. I just took that to mean like some company created a little Teams app and that it's just for their company and it does something specific. And it's like, sure. Right. Like, you know, it's that's that sort of edges up on like how many custom shell scripts does a company have? Well, I mean, if if Mike, if, if, if they're smart, their hello world for app writing is like something you hook up to your company's Salesforce. So, you know, it rings a bell and you don't call the Salesforce one. You show everyone how to write their own. And so like literally, like it just pumps those numbers. Cause I mean, I like I'm, you know, every, every place that I've been with Slack <laughs> has, has had like a sales channel that, you know, rings a bell when, when, you know, a deal is closed and it's like, that's probably not hard to write. And it's a good way to pump your numbers. So sure. Why not? Right. So, so you know, know. If, 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 if you're, uh, if your OKR is, you know, getting people to write plugins for your platform. Yeah. It's kind of interesting though. Like teams is so different. The chat experience or the messaging experience is so different in teams. It just doesn't like proliferate like it does in Slack where there's like a Slack channel for everything. I don't know. My, my I guess my corporate use of teams is like, this doesn't like do it. Maybe other people are doing it. So, um, but okay. Up to now, good stuff. Like just kind of interesting stuff. I think, you know, pretty much all the kinds of things we would expect for it. Then they talked about this mesh product. Whoa, I don't know if you've seen this, Matt. This is the second life looking product where it's sort of like we're back to people walking around with avatars with no legs. And they're like, (laughs) hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Second life had legs. The Meta's version didn't have legs. Facebook didn't have, and their Meta thing. No, they just couldn't figure out how to render them. Legs are just the the difficult thing. So, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why we keep returning to this metaphor. It is so, I, I guess somebody, it's like, 
if I don't know, it must be a quest. Somebody must have some information that says like, if we solve this, we'll make hundreds of billion dollars. But every time I see it, because they showed like some videos and you're like, I, I definitely don't want to use this. I know. No, no. I, I, was, I think I mean, it might've been in last week or the week before show notes, an article, someone uh, shared that we didn't talk about, but essentially the gist of it was like, all of these metaverse projects are going to fail because they're they're not fun. Nobody looks at that and is like, that's how I wish I was interacting, right? The ones that work are gaming, right? Because people are like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm off on this, you know, Battle Royale Island playing Fortnite, right? It's, you know, it, it starts to like bleed into uh, a, a, a VR experience. Whereas like, you know, oh, look, I'm 3D rendered sitting in a meeting. I was like, who wants that? Yeah, I think, you know, I had the same thought and I even thought of the same article when you were saying that. And so I totally agree with you. It's just like, it, it seems like we're, it's just broken. Like we're, and I think maybe that article distills it down to many people in Silicon Valley or VC backed companies are about productivity. And like when you apply like the yeah. productivity gain to this idea, it just doesn't work. It's it just not absolutely does not, not work. Productive. It's just, and you can see in the meetings where someone's like, let's just do this because it's fun. That person gets kicked out of the meeting. Like, they're like, you, know, just, you know, the, the way you make it fun is everyone has to have like, you know, what was it? Uh, the lawyer who was turned into a cat. Like that's how you make yeah. it fun is you, you know, you, you can't opt out of that. Everyone gets turned into a barnyard animal. Yeah. And I think, you know, even the premise go to that, that meeting, we can all like, maybe that's the whole, the whole premise is maybe flawed at the beginning. It's like, no, no, this is a way that we can all not be together and we can meet and we can somehow accomplish some goals. And it's like, no, the whole idea of that is just wrong. It's like, if you really need to be together, and this is the other part, with so much talk about work from home and then return to office, you're almost like, you're like, it doesn't even seem to, to pass the test of the corporations building it, where it's like, no, no, most of these companies want people to come back in the office. And if you say, I'm going to log in once a day to the virtual, in this case, uh, metaverse, like Facebook isn't, you know, they want you back in the office. And I think, I don't know what's going on at Microsoft, but like, I think they generally want people back in the office. Like no one thinks it's the substitute. So it's like, it just feels like that's what would kill the project immediately. If, if that doesn't count, like quote, return to office, then why are we building this mesh thing? So right. I don't know. I was real. I, I was like, I just feel like I, I think perpetually down on it. Was Second Life the first one, or is that just the one that we got exposed that, to? That's Maybe. the one that was most prominent. Uh, undoubtedly, there were others that, you know, Second Life at least, like, had had legs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it had, you know, a, a, a sustained user base. All right. Well, the final thing then, you know, Mesh, again, good luck with Mesh. Now, the final thing is we finally got to the top of the stack. The top of the stack is basically what they call the co-pilot. It's basically all, it's the co-pilot studio. It's Microsoft's co-pilots, and then it's quote unquote your co-pilots. So, a couple of cool stats they talked about was um, they're saying you can code fifty-five times faster. I don't know; it seemed like a lot, but then I I do think uh, the idea of like you know writing source code and, and coding in general has like forever changed. And then I, I mean, fifty-five times faster seems like a lot, but honestly, maybe maybe it's hundred percent true because I know, especially like my limited use of this, I'm like, yeah, it does make me a million times faster. And so then they showed all the other things that I think are right in the wheelhouse. They showed you like how it will be in, uh, embedded in Excel, right? Basically it will write the formulas for you. It will um, actually, and then they even mentioned, you know, one of my little 
pet projects. They have Excel with Python. So we'll basically write the Python code for you. It will do all of the, the data frame stuff for you. It would have edit with you in Word. And like, so this seems like whatever, this is like what Microsoft was built for, right? Yeah. But, you know, this is really, if you will, it's Clippy come to life. It's like, yeah. This and is you know, probably what Clippy was supposed to do instead of like running around that stupid animation supposed to do stuff for you. And I was like, yeah, I was like, man, put this stuff everywhere. And this, this is what drove home to me. Like this is sustaining in- innovation that Microsoft wants because you can easily make a case, an ROI case that you will pay more for all of these things for it. in every single Microsoft product, you would like to have a little co-pilot that makes the task easier. So, t- so to me, it's like, it's almost the four layers are, we're, we're just leading to this. And this is where I think Microsoft's about to make, you know, another tens of billions of dollars, unless somebody, and kind of back to our original conversation, unless someone figures out a way, it's like, oh, actually, you don't even need to be in Word, Excel, or any of these tools anymore. We can just do all of that work for you. Remember all the tasks that you were trying to accomplish in there? You don't need to do those things. So that's maybe the, the biggest competing vision going forward is like, Microsoft's going to make it real easy for us to do all of the stuff we were doing in their programs um, a little bit easier and a little bit faster. And they even kind of had, had a nice quote in there, something about like, you know, you know, just taking the, I think I can't remember what it was something, you know, just like taking the drudgery out of work. Right. And I think that's kind of their idea. It's just like, this is get rid of all this stuff that's kind of annoying you. Um, whereas I think there's going to be other visions where it's like, no, you don't have to do any of this going forward. But the co-pilot stuff I thought was pretty cool. I mean, this is the part like I'm ready. Like they said, I don't know. I don't know when my organization is going to upgrade, but I'm definitely like, yeah, I'm, I was actually like excited for that part. I want to, you know, I want it easier. I don't want to have to cut and paste between open AI and the, and the actual uh, programs anymore. I just want it all built in. I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on co-pilot? Uh, you know, I, I've used, uh, I've dabbled a bit. I'm excited about it. My company doesn't want to pay for it. So <laughs> that's, that's the current state of things for me. But, uh, no, I think, well, I think Microsoft's on to, you know, uh, their next big thing. Well, your company is going to be, um, a real interesting use case. Cause obviously you guys are thinking about costs all the time. So at some point, do they, you know, does it become, if you will, an ROI investment that's impressive to like your CFO or like things like that. Cause that would be kind of a, it's like a good test case, right? When, when did, well, uh, it's actually because we're small enough that they're like, just expense it to yourself, you know, just, and just that, you right? know, it's cheaper, right? Um, we don't need an enterprise version. So yeah, we're, we're still, we're still a scrappy startup that, uh, you know, deals through Expensify. All right. Well, that's pretty much the recap of all the important things. Like now you've seen it. You, you've known everything about the over a hundred plus announcements they're making. So, you know, okay. you don't have to watch the thing. No, of course there's like tons of other I, stuff. I'm, like, I'm looking forward to it again at reInvent. That's right. So my, my <laughs> thing is like, I would just summarize the whole thing this way. They're definitely focused in on the sustaining vision. I think the top of the stack, the co-pilot stuff, we will all probably like, cause we all have to do some of this stuff. And everything else in between, it's probably necessary or no, it, it is actually necessary, but none of it struck out to me as like incredibly, uh, if you will, differentiated. Cause I think we're going to see a lot of that with AWS. Now, speaking of differentiation though, Matt, you did have a little, a little announcement here, uh, with Azure. So why don't you tell us what open cost is doing with Microsoft? Uh, yeah, yeah. Microsoft announced that uh, they are embedding OpenCost, the uh, the open source project that I, I, you know, I'm a community manage, and uh, they're embedding it in their Azure Cost Analytics, their AKS Azure Kubernetes Service Cost Analytics dashboard. So, um, 
before this, when you clicked on your AKS bill, it's like, you know, that'll be $10, please. And now you can click on it and see your $10 split by, you know, namespace, by uh, pods, by containers, you know, any, any way you want to slice and dice it is now available to you. Uh, so didn't get the same keynote time as Copilot, <laughs> but uh, exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's some links in here where you can read about. It. I don't know. Did you get a session? Are you even in? Uh, no, no. no we got a blog post at, hey, on man. like you know some developer blog, uh, or you know some Microsoft developer blog, and then they also made an announcement around uh, FinOps uh, that they are going to start natively exporting Focus, which is the FinOps Open Cost and Usage Specification. So that's a a standardized industry standard billing format that uh, you know. Again, how did that not make the keynote? I don't know, but uh, you can't put everything in there. So well, I will so. say that you know I was off in uh, another Slack this week. I think I was in the CNCF, and people were asking about open cost. So I think you know, I think it, you're sort of like I, I don't know. We're like, we're riding the wave. Yeah, you're kind of in the focal point, though. I think everybody's sort of like you know what I'd like to see. I'd like to see all this cost information in a well known, well understood format, which is. Which is like, you know what I did? I just did, uh, and Matt Ray will really appreciate this. It's like, you know what I did? I, I saw that comment. And so I just literally tagged Matt Ray and put an arrow. <laughs> yes. There's nothing better than just assigning work with no context to someone. Be uh, like, I don't know any of the answers, but like this guy does. He's going to my life. So, yeah. So that's right. So well, good, good, Matt. We'll look for open cost. Uh, we'll look for the open cost AWS announcement. I know there's probably nothing happening or you can't talk about it. So, uh, it, you know, we'll just wait. If there's something happening, don't say anything about it now, Matt. I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, I'll probably know like right before it happens. That's right. More importantly, like you'll get the email. Like I'll like I like to say it's like, yeah, I heard it on the earnings call, just like you. I didn't know either. So that's uh that's always good. All right. Well, listen, that's uh the wrap up of everything that happened in Azure. Hopefully that was helpful to you. Uh, I did want to uh a couple shout outs to a couple of listeners. So one thing that came in last week was uh, Ilya recommends taking a look at uh, Facets. Uh, and so that is basically a platform that helps you uh, build platform engineering. So he heard you talk about Matt last week. You said something like, um, uh, it's always like internal. Backstage is kind of snowflakey. Yeah, internal development platforms are always going to you know, need to be uh, internal and custom, right? So facets.cloud is the name of it. They provide a, a framework for building platform engineering and accelerating application development. So is, I don't know. It, so what, I don't, it it's kind of interesting or yeah. It, no, I mean, they're, they're definitely, they're definitely people tilting at those windmills. Right? Yes. Yeah, so I think you're, but your point, like I thought it was real interesting about how, how Ilya in this case was like very specific. It's like, yep, I've heard this problem a million times. And in fact, there's a whole people that are just building a way to build them, which I think is interesting. So I don't know. I'd be interested if I'd be interested yeah. if anyone's using, Fastest.cloud uh, or some other framework, because maybe that's the only the best you can do. If you're gonna have to build it, maybe you can just build it using common tools. Maybe not. So uh, hit us up in the software defined talk Slack. Let us know if that's uh, something that's actually being used, or is it just like all software? Hey, in the end, it's better you just write it all yourself. You know, who knows? I don't know. Uh, also, we talked a little bit last week about RAM. You know, just eight gigs enough. So there was, uh, I think Jordy put this in there. He put in a nice link to somebody who did figure it out ran a bunch of tests and they basically, you know, you know, shocking to find out actually, yeah, you do need more RAM. More RAM is better. So nothing has, <laughs> Surprise. Has, has necessarily changed there. Like shocking. We didn't know that. Um, and then of course on the listener side, if you would like a sticker, just send uh, your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. As far as conferences, sort of the year winding down. So the only one today I was going to mention is on January 29th, our friends over at the, that conference, 
Uh, they're going to be coming to Texas. You can come down here and they have a, a code this week. So you, you can use uh, the code here in the show notes and you get $300 off uh, a professional ticket as long as you do it before November 27th, which I think is um, you know, Black Friday. So yeah, yeah, yeah. if you want to come down and you want to use this code, check it out. And if you want us to talk about your conference, uh, send us an email, let us know what it is. We can probably work out some type of very informal media partnership or find some way to uh, work together as always. And, and now and finally, like, uh, well, I was going to say real quick, uh, our meetups IRL channel, uh, sounds like some folks are going to be at reInvent who are, you know, making plans to either, you know, meet up for a drink or two or, you know, say hi. So Absolutely. definitely really join the channel. Join, join the software defined talk Slack and uh, get in the meetups that you're IRL. And yes, there are going to be many people. It sounds like in reInvent, maybe Jordy, maybe you'll find him. Uh, he sounds like he's really ready to buy everyone a beer. So yeah, go, yeah, go find that. him. And tell them software defined talk sent you. All right. Well, listen, I don't want to belabor the point. You know, this is what people came for. We've been talking about it for weeks. Matt Ray has done a rigorous analysis of uh, what keyboard he will be getting. So, Matt, without further ado, please reveal your keyboard pick. <laughs> I have I have chosen and acquired the the Keychron Q10 with the Alice layout. Uh, it's a uh, so the Alice layout is a their ergonomic style, you know, split, uh, split. Uh, it's a single, heavy, heavy keyboard. Um, I believe it weighs six pounds, something like that. So it's uh, uh, made out of a big block of aluminum or something. But it's it's a pretty solid piece. I, I told my son that uh, when I die, he can have it. So <laughs> it's a family heirloom in the making. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I got it. Is that like better or is that just, is it just. Oh, it's just solid. Like, I mean, you know, they're not skimping on any of the material. So it's, okay. it's got you know, good build quality. If, if you follow the link in the show notes to it, you know, they, they have like a, a, some, you, of course you can buy a kit and build it yourself. And, and like, there are, there are people who are, you know, oh, I took this layer out of the inners to, you know, make it springier. I replaced it with, you know, it was, you know, this piece was made out of foam and I replaced it with metal. So my keyboard, you know, is even louder. Um, you know, so, so it's definitely a hacker's keyboard, you know, people who want to hack on, uh, on keyboards and, um, you know, you can choose the, the, the switches, you can choose the colors. Uh, Tell us what, uh, which, uh, switches did you get here? How do you say that? Gateron pro? I don't know how to say it. Gateron, Gateron. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what I got. I got the uh, Gateron G Pro switches, um, which uh, I think they're brown switches. Is that what they're called? Um, yeah. So the ones I got are considered uh, tactile, but not clicky. So, um, but I didn't want the the smooth or linear, which is like what you have on uh, on like an Apple um, keyboard, at least you know on, on your laptop. Uh, I wanted something a little more with a little more push to it. I'm pretty happy with that. I, I, I didn't really know what I was purchasing. I know I, you know, it, it came with three default choices. You can build your own and get whatever ones you want. The, they make, they sell, I want to say like 20 different switches. Uh, so, you know, God bless you if you have time to do all that, but uh, probably at some point I'll be like, you know, I should upgrade to, you know, whatever, but I didn't really know what I was getting, but I, I feel pretty happy with what I got. All right. And so how long have you been using it for? Like a week? 
I got it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I got back from uh, from KubeCon uh, Sunday, and I set it up on uh, Monday, and you know, took a, a photo that uh, of my new setup. I've got a new external monitor, a, a second external monitor. I've got my new keyboard, so you know, had to rewire everything. Definitely uh, wasted some time, you know, getting my my workspace set up as just as I like. But you know, that's what you got to do. That's right. All right. Well, there's also I'm gonna I'll make that uh, picture of the show art so you can see Matt Ray set up. Uh, he also has the a fancy wooden palm rest that looks heavy as well. And uh, for those that don't follow the show quite as closely, remember Matt Ray is a trackball user. So, so mm. I think the setup is going to basically uh, only be useful for Matt Ray. Like if I think of myself, <laughs> well, that's me, you know that's fine for me because I'm Matt Ray. I was going to say, if the average person sat down and was asked to type a thousand uh, word essay on this, it would probably take a long time. It would be, it, would, it definitely has some uh, hardcore customization. All right. Well, listen, you guys, I, all I'd say is you better order yours fast because Dallin has the, this is like a wire cutter recommendation. Now that it's out there, it could sell out overnight. So I don't know. <laughs> Occasionally, they while I was going through their products, there there were some that were sold out. But uh, you know, I, I mean, are they even like you? You could choose like what keys styles you want. How many keys do you want? Do you want macro keys? Mine's got a a, a volume knob that is you know it's completely reprogrammable, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's got a a, a web based key mapper, which is kind of odd, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've reprogrammed some of my keys already. I've got some macros. It's it's exciting. Well, I like the volume knob. That's like, you know, that's a problem that's been solved. No one tried to mess with volume. Like a knob is best for volume. So I was that was the one thing I saw. I was well, like, I, nice. and, and I, I played with the knob a bit. I was like, well, maybe maybe I'll use this for like scrolling because my, my, my trackball that you mentioned <laughs> has has a scroll wheel around the ball. Oh so gosh. you just rotate your hand while you're, you know, while you're on it. And so it, it just scrolls up and down naturally, which is, it's really nice. Uh, but I was thinking, well, now I can have a scroll wheel on the left, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I already got, I already got a better wheel. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, the Matt Ray. All right. Well, congratulations, Matt Ray. And, uh, be careful with the orange juice. I see in the picture your water is actually pretty close to the keyboard. So watch out. It's, don't, it's over you know, to the side. Yeah. Don't, uh, d- don't spill again. So, all right. My recommendation, much simpler. Uh, I watched The Killer on Netflix. This is the new uh, David Fincher movie. So it's like David Fincher, if you know, you know. It's like you either like like him or, like <laughs> movies or you don't. Uh, yeah. you know, of like seven, like, I don't know, tons of what I would consider really good movies. I thought yeah. this was like, you know, th- it's kind of a weird way to say this. It's like, I thought this was a very, very good Netflix movie. I was like, oh, this is like a real movie on Netflix. How fantastic is that? Right. Is it, that's where um, it is. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's on Netflix. So it's just okay. like, you know, I don't know. Like if you went to a theater, I was like, eh, but like, oh, this is actually a real movie that isn't dubbed. doesn't have some like, you know, weird effects, but no plot, like all the Netflix movies, whatever. This was actually like a real movie. So I enjoyed okay. that. It's almost like, oh, this is why we pay for Netflix. Sometimes I forget. I'm always like, this, there's nothing on. And then yeah. this shows up. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. So if you like David Fincher or if you like movies that are just good, you know, that are well-made, unlike most of the stuff on Netflix, you should check out The Killer. Oof. All right. Well, and a quick programming note, we will have a great interview for you next week. This is the United States Thanksgiving. So for all of you who celebrate it, happy Thanksgiving. For those that don't remember, uh, we're here at Software Defined Talk. We're trying to export this holiday. So everyone, if you can't take off work, you should just eat a really big meal on Thursday 
and then just buy unnecessary stuff on Friday. If you do that, you are celebrating Thanksgiving in the way that I think it should be celebrated. American style. American style. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye. Because, well, what about this, the Christmas holidays? What about like the Santa thing? Does it yeah. not all have like a, like, um, is it not like kind of weird? It's super Santa weird, right? North Pole is showing up at a beach. Like, aren't, aren't, isn't that even, even in the realm of uh, the imagination, isn't Australia sort of like, this is kind of weird. Like, this is sort it, of like kind of a weird thing. We just live with it. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone just kind of acknowledges like, huh, isn't this weird? You know, people talking about Yule logs and it's, you know, 90 degrees outside and you're just like, no, yeah, we're not having a fire. You know, we don't, we don't want a bunch of, yeah, we're going to have a barbecue on the beach. That's, that's what Christmas is all about.